Amen. You can have a seat. I don't know about you, but I am not very fond of reunions. I know some people love them. If you do, that's okay. But for me, I don't enjoy them, and there's really sort of a specific reason. And it's because if I haven't seen people for 20 or 30 or 40 years or whatever it is, I've changed a lot since then, right? And I feel real uncomfortable like trying to be the person that they expect, because they haven't seen me in a while, that they expect me to be. And I'm uncomfortable with the fact that they don't know who I am now, and they don't know how to react to the person that I've become. So it feels a little weird. And maybe you love exploring all that, but for me, it's just really hard because I've changed a lot, and maybe you have too. And I think that's sort of a common thing that goes on, is how do we react to people if and when they begin to change, right? I mean, maybe you're around family and they have to bring up all the stupid things you did as a kid, right? And it just has to go on. Every time you're together, the same stories are you're told and you're just thinking, I'm not that person anymore. We do that to our own family sometimes. We'll make food for our daughters and they'll say, well, Dad, I don't really like that anymore. I'm like, well, you used to. And it's well, I was when I was eight, Dad. I've changed a little bit since then, okay? We, we don't expect people to change. And that's really what it boils down to. And our culture, in many ways, expects that people won't really substantively change in a way that makes a difference, right? And so maybe you can look back in your life and see some things you're not happy with, some things that you regret, some mistakes that you've made, some tendencies you had, and you've really worked to overcome that, and yet sometimes the people around you, whether it's family or friends or the people you work with or maybe even the people you go to church with, they still expect you to make the same mistakes that you always made, to react in the same ways that you always did, and so they'll warn you to not make that same mistake. And you just want to say, listen, I've worked really hard to get past that. And I wish you wouldn't bring up what I've done in the past. And it's one of those ways that I think we can begin to feel sort of broken, feel like our lives are not how they, we want them to be. And we're looking for God to do something to make us feel whole. And so I want us to think about that today. To think about, okay, what is really at work in us changing? And we've been thinking over the last several weeks about being made whole. We're going to bring that to a conclusion next week. And we've been studying Romans 4, 5, and 6. Now, this is not easy material. And if you read through those chapters, you find that out. And you really have to follow what Paul's saying all the way through to get the full meaning. But it is worth it. So if you haven't read through that, let me encourage you to, because if we get a grasp on what Paul is saying in this passage, we will understand what the cross is all about in a way that we really don't get anywhere else. So if we want to understand, okay, what difference did it make that Jesus died on the cross, Paul is telling us that in these chapters. Now, as we get to chapter 6, Paul's just been talking about grace, this incredible gift that we've been given, how it's just overwhelming, never-ending. But then he brings up a question. And my guess is Paul is dealing with a problem that he knows is going on in Rome, dealing with something that's being said that he has an issue with. And so he raises this question about grace right at the beginning of Romans chapter 6. So we're in verse 1. He says this, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace 
may increase. And maybe somebody was saying that. Maybe someone was saying, you know what? Grace is such an overwhelming gift. There is no end to God's grace. We've been given this gift freely. We can't earn it. We can never do enough good to get God's grace. God just keeps offering it. So why not just keep doing what we want to do, right? I mean, if we just continue to sin, grace is just going to be there even more. So maybe it doesn't even matter what we do. In fact, maybe we should just keep living like we've always lived, right? Just keep doing the things we always do to make ourselves happy. Maybe some of them are good. Maybe some of them aren't so good. Maybe some of them we would classify as the right thing. Maybe some of them we would classify as just plain and simple. Really, they're sin. But if grace is there, what difference does it make? Because I can just keep doing what I've always done, and if some of it is wrong, if some of it is sinful, then I could just ask for forgiveness, and there's plenty of grace out there. Grace will just increase, so why even try? Paul has a real problem with that approach. And I think he tells us in the next three verses that that is a fundamentally flawed way of understanding grace and the cross. So this is what Paul says, beginning in verse 2. He says, by no means. Some of the translations say, absolutely not. Okay, that's his answer to the question in verse 1. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Paul says, no. Okay. We don't just keep on sinning and expect that grace is just going to increase. Is grace there? Yes. Does God continually offer us forgiveness? Yes. But we don't live our lives just saying, I can do whatever I want because God will forgive. Paul says the way we live our lives is we look back and we recognize that somewhere along the way when we made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we died to sin. He says, how can we live in it any longer? And so we're dealing with a question, what does that mean? What does Paul mean when he says we've died to sin? In what sense have we died? Well, for sure what we get is when there's a death, there's a big change. When there's a death, nothing is ever going to be the same again because something is completely over. It's not coming back. Okay? So if there's something that's over, the future is going to look different. He says what's over is us living in sin, for sin, under sin, okay? Sin controlling us. We've died to sin, and now we're going to live in something new. What does that look like? Verse 3. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Now, New Testament writers use lots of analogies, lots of pictures to help us understand what baptism is all about. In other places in the New Testament, we find the writers saying it's sort of like being washed, right? It's like a bath. You go in and you're dirty, you come out physically clean. Well, we go into baptism and spiritually we are flawed. We are dirty, if you will, and we are made clean in baptism. 
Okay, we are changed, fundamentally changed as a part of being baptized. Well, this is another image to help us understand baptism. And Paul's using it to help us understand this dying to sin. He said, you go into baptism and it's a lot like a death, right? I mean, it's like a death, burial, and resurrection. Think about it. I mean, we don't bury ourselves because we're dead. And in baptism, we don't go and baptize ourselves. Someone does that to us. And we go under, we're buried, and we're raised up. And Paul says, as you do that, you are participating in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And at that moment, something changes. Because we are taking part of ourselves and we are burying it. We are allowing it to die so that something can take its place. So that there can be new life. Something more positive. Paul explains that in verse 4. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And then Paul in verses 5 down, he explains that. We're going to look at that next week as we think about new life, resurrection, being raised next Sunday on Easter Sunday. So I'm looking forward to that. But to finish this thought, Paul says... When we are baptized, yes, part of us dies. Okay, that's a serious change. When we say part of me is dying, that's serious. That's a big change. But part of me is going to be different. In fact, all of me. As I let that one part die, there's something that is recreated. There's something that is resurrected in me so that I'm going to live in a new way. I have new Life. So Paul's saying, listen, there was a time, and this is true for all of us, when we just lived to please ourselves. And again, some of it was right, some of it was wrong, some of it was good, some of it was really bad, some of it was sin. And then we came to this point of faith. And Paul's talked about that. We began the first two lessons in this series talking about the power of faith. And allowing faith to bring about righteousness in our lives. And so Paul is saying that because of that faith, our lives are transformed. And we are given new life. And so we don't live the same way. No longer do we say, okay, it's just about whatever I want. Now we have a new purpose. And this too we've been talking about in this series. That our purpose, our created purpose, is to be the image of God. It goes all the way back to Genesis. And so we're here to reflect God's glory and God's nature to the people around us by the way that we live and what we say. And we have corrupted that. When we said, okay, I'm going to live this life for me, some of it good, some of it bad, we said, I'm, what's more important to me than the one who created me is the stuff he created. Whether it's money, sex, power, whatever it is, food, you name it. Or something more destructive. So we've pursued all that stuff for me rather than reflecting the image of the Creator to the people around us. But when we choose to be baptized, Paul says in this moment that that purpose is restored. New life is all about taking on the purpose that God intended from creation for us to show people around us who he is. And now in Jesus, even more clearly. And so to circle back to where we started, 
The world doesn't expect us to change. The world doesn't expect that we can change. But the good news of the gospel, the good news of the New Testament is God knows we can. In fact, God brings that about as we allow something to die and allow him to bring new life in its place. The message for us is this. God can do something new in you. The world doesn't believe that. Sometimes we don't believe that. Sometimes we look in our lives and say, I just, I've messed this up so completely. Maybe not all of life, but man, this one part, whether it's family or church or work or friends or money, whatever, I messed this up so much, I just don't know if I can change. And God says, yes, you can. God can do something new in you. You might say, okay, I hear what you're saying. I get that God can do something new. I hear what Paul is saying about allowing something, this life that's devoted to sin, allowing that to die, and allowing new life to take hold. I get that, but here's my problem. And I think a lot of people say this. I'm still a sinner. I I don't feel like I'm dead to sin because it still finds its way into my life. I feel like I still allow sin to control me way too often. And if I've got this new life and I'm dead to sin, how, how can that be? Well, when Paul wrote this in Romans chapter 6, Paul was just like us. Because Paul was still a sinner. Had he followed Jesus? Yes. Was he doing great things for Jesus? Absolutely. But all you've got to do is read the very next chapter. Take a few minutes, sometimes this week, read Romans 7. Hear Paul saying, here's my problem. I keep doing what I shouldn't do, and I do stuff that I know, that I I can't get rid of the stuff that I should do. It's just, it's a mess for him. He keeps sinning. He keeps allowing sin to come into his life and then he avoids the stuff that he should be pursuing. This is Paul. One of the greatest leaders in the history of the church. Certainly one of the greatest in the first century. I mean, We know so much about Jesus because of what Paul wrote. And here's Paul saying, I keep messing it up. So if you feel like sin is too much of a part of your life, even as a follower of Jesus you're in good company. Maybe the best company. So what do we do with that? Do we just say, well, you know what? This whole new life thing's just not taking hold in me. No. I think what we find is that, yeah, God can do something new in you and me, and He is, He will, but it's a lifelong process. And yes, we come to this point of baptism and there's a powerful life and death change there. But we have to spend the rest of our lives saying, okay, where is sin continuing to encroach? Where is sin finding its way into this new life? And then we have to say, okay, how am I going to get rid of it? How am I going to change? You see, what that is, is at its core, that's just repentance. 
We've talked about that before. Repentance is at it just means a turning. I recognize I'm going in the wrong direction. I choose the right direction. Now, that may be a powerful change at one point in our lives when we say, okay, I was headed away from God. i got to turn all the way around and walk toward God. But there are times, even as followers of Jesus, when we recognize we're straying from the path that God would have set for us. And that means we've got to turn. We've got to repent. And so a repentance is not a once-for-all event and now we're done. Repentance is a lifelong process of recognizing day in and day out, maybe week in, week out, okay, here's the places where I'm just not doing the right thing. Like Paul, I can't seem to do the things I should do and I keep doing the things I shouldn't do. i got to fix it. And I've got to allow the power of God to be at work in my life so that I'm pursuing Him And not worshiping what is created, but worshiping the Creator. And showing the world who He is. And maybe today you're thinking, you know what? That change really needs to take place in my life. Maybe you're thinking, I've got some stuff in my life that needs to die. And new life needs to grow in its place. Paul has really talked through the whole plan of what God wants us to do. If you read again all the way through Romans 4 through 6, what you find is Paul tells us about faith. Tells us that on the cross, Jesus took all the evil of us choosing to worship the created rather than the Creator, where He takes our sin. He took that, took the evil that was at work there, allowed it to wear itself out on Him until He died, and then He was buried. And we know on Easter He was raised. And so, the first step is trusting that. The first step is faith. And we talked about how God credits that to us as righteousness. He makes us right because we trust in Jesus. And we're also called to repentance. Certainly not a one and done, but repentance nonetheless. Where we come to the point that we recognize, okay, I've been living for me. From this point out, I need to live for God. This needs to change. And then as Paul talks about here in Romans 6, baptism. Where we participate in that moment that changes everything. Where we are part of Jesus putting to death what is evil. And then being buried and looking forward to resurrection. Faith and repentance and baptism are the steps that we need to take. And and maybe you've been thinking about that. And if you have, let me encourage you. Talk to me after the service. If you don't feel comfortable doing that, it's like there's too many people around, send me an email. Call me during the week. I'll be glad to talk with you about that. Be glad to walk through what are the next steps. How does this happen? And what you can do to allow this change to take place in your life. Love to discuss that with you. But the message for us today is wherever we are, whatever we've done, whatever our past looks like, God can do something new in you. Let's pray together. God, we're thankful that you're a God of second chances. We're thankful that you're a God who really does bring change. So God, I pray for those who are contemplating a decision to follow you. Walk, walk with them and help us to walk with them as well. And God, we pray that, 
that you will be at work in us as a body of believers so that this is a place where we believe people really can change by the power of the Spirit. So God, create in us new life. Do something new in us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and continue to worship.